Good evening and welcome to the all-new Diz Dad's Playhouse with your hosts, Tim Hicks, Willie Crocker, and Aaron Rittmaster. Diz Dad's Playhouse is brought to you by Mouse Master Travel and Wicked Mouse Travel, both of which are authorized Disney vacation planners who would love to help with your next Disney destination vacation. Imagination. All right, so uh, welcome to the new show. The first thing we want to do is share with you a new segment. Um, Each show will start with what we're calling our countdown segment, and then we'll move into our main topic of the day. So for the countdown segment, uh, we'll take turns, and one of the hosts will choose a topic, and then we will uh, kind of turn those into a top five list that we'll do some discussion of. So. This week's uh, countdown topic is Walt Disney World Dark Rides, and let's see how how this plays out. Um, So I'm going to start the countdown, and when I start the countdown, I think we're going to start with Tim's list because he submitted his first. So countdown is underway, and let's take a look at Tim's list. Yeah, coming in at number five, I have Spaceship Earth. Uh oh, wrong person. There you go. Spaceship Earth. It is, I'm not going to use the keyword, but it's classic Disney, and I'm a nostalgic kind of guy. Uh, coming in at number four, Toy Story Midway Mania. That's just a lot of fun. If you've not done it, it's a lot of fun. Coming in at number three, Ratatouille. And uh, although it's not just the the most thrilling of rides it is so well done it really is um i got my first chance to to ride it just a few weeks ago so uh, i thought it was awesome rock and roller coaster comes in at number two that's that's clearly my all-time favorite for roller coasters at least in within disney and then but then came along guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind that is one heck of a coaster so uh my honorable mention uh, is also the uh, bit of nope. Problem. Sorry, countdown segment. Oh, okay. You don't have time for an honorable mention, buddy. Ah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Shut up and drink your rum, Tim. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we go, Willie. Here's your top five. Um, talk to us about what your top five is and and why your top five is a better list than Tim's. Well, of course, mine's always better than Tim's. I mean, that's just forgive. That's just easy, you know. I'm going to go from five to one to make it uh, like like Tim. My five is Spaceship Earth. It's just a must do ride, no matter what. It's so much fun. Even if you get stuck in a separate language, it still can just be fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> My four is Ratatouille. Remy, Remy's Ratatouille. I found that this ride is just perfect it's designed for everyone anyone can ride it um there's no real scary scenes but there's still some fun scenes it's just an overall great ride my three is one of the newest rides at hollywood studios mickey and minnie's runaway railway i find this ride to be a lot of fun um, very creative it's the first ride that mickey mouse has ever been um, presented in and it's just a great overall ride my two would be what Tim had at one, Cosmic Rewind. And you'll know why my number one is one in a minute. But Cosmic Rewind is 
just an amazing roller coaster. It's as smooth as you can get. It's just an amazing, fun ride that has tons of rewritability because of the music and the ride. And then my number one, it's a given. It's the best ride at Disney World, the Haunted Mansion. You can't go wrong. You know, it's just it's just too fun. And and it also fits the dark ride very well. So Tim, uh, Aaron, what's yours? All right. So uh we take a look at at uh my list, if we can get it to display like a closer. There we go. Um all right, so I really focused on um, attractions that I felt represented the genre most effectively. Um, I, I gotta say, you know, Tim, I, I appreciate you kind of embracing the creativity that's been, um, introduced to dark rides, but I just, I don't see Midway Mania or Rock and Roller Coaster or even really Cosmic Rewind as true dark rides. They use dark ride elements, but they're not dark ride attractions. Um, what makes a dark ride a dark ride attraction to me is, first of all, that its um, primary purpose is storytelling, right? That it, it's taking people and, and telling uh, a story in that format. And the second is that dark rides to me are family rides. They're things that everybody can do. Not everybody may choose to, but everybody could. Um, and so for that reason, I started at number five with Navi River Journey, which is, I think, an underappreciated attraction. Uh, I think as dark rides go, it does a really nice job. It, it tells a fun story that extends the universe of the the Navi and, and of um, the Avatar franchise. Um, it's only real downfall is that it's too darn short and it takes too long to load. So it's got a long line. Um, but that's not really a reflection of the attraction that's a reflection of you know riders and loading times but it's um, part of the experience just it, it is but i think the actual ride experience is fantastic um for number four sort of similarly i, I went with frozen ever after it has its flaws i will admit i mean scary olaf is still scary olaf um but you know kids have been clamoring for frozen attractions and the sing-along is nice it's got its own fun elements but you know it, it's it's more of a, a show and a participatory thing frozen ever after is a storytelling attraction um and i think it does a good job of telling that story it's another one that's probably shorter than it should be um but it gets the job done and it it you know, was one of the attractions that early on made some use of the enhanced animatronics that used projection capabilities to make faces more lifelike. Number three is Spaceship Earth. I love Spaceship Earth. I think it's a fantastic attraction. It would be even higher on my list, except the problem is that it's in just a terrible state right now. Um, it desperately needs the refurbishment that has been delayed at least three or four years now that it's been oh, due. I, I thought you meant terrible state as in Florida. Oh, oh well, 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 yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> um, but regardless, you know, the, the truth is that, that it, it tells a really great story. It, I love the scenes. There's so much wonderful detail and variety, but so much of it is in disrepair right now. And just, it, it, it has gotten to the point where it's bad show. It's affecting the ability to tell the story. Um, so it's number three. I wish it could be higher. 
Uh, number two, I'm on board with Willie's assessment of Runaway Railway. I, I think Runaway Railway is the better example of the evolution of the form of dark rides, right? Of, of using this kind of visual storytelling, um, the combination of practical effect and, and visual effect um, really works. And it's an, it's an engaging story. It, it really gets people involved in the story. Um, and then number one, I, I still think Haunted Mansion is the, ideal expression of the dark ride. Um, it is, you know, makes full use of, of all of the visual effect techniques that Imagineering has come up with. Um, it, it may be a little bit scary at times, but it balances that with fun and funny. Um, the, you know, even relatively young kids can enjoy it. Um, and it's an attraction that because of its sort of nonlinear story is amenable to getting little additions here and there over time, which kind of continues. It allows a classic attraction to continually get updated um, in ways that don't detract from its story. So I would still put Haunted Mansion as, as the number one example of, of Dark Ride at Walt Disney World. Um, and then the... You know, and I would say if I was going to name a, an honorable mention, because um, it really does belong on my you list. Don't, but I didn't it, get one. You don't it, get one. It, yeah. Okay. Say, fair you... enough. <laughs> it, let me put it this way: If I'm going to, I'll get yours in a second. My honorable mention would be Pirates of the Caribbean, um, which I felt like was on kind of the borderline of Dark Ride versus Thrill, because it does have the the couple of, of good drops, but it. it I don't know. I, I went back and forth on it. And its other problem is that it's not the best expression of its own ride. Um, it doesn't tell the story as well as Disneyland's version of the attraction does because the scenes are in the wrong order. Which doesn't tell it as well as the one at Disney Sea does. There you go. So, and Tim, you had an honorable mention? I did because Carousel of Progress is something that was one of Walt's visions from way back in the day. And it continues to evolve as it revolves today. <laughs> now, I'll tell you why you're both wrong on Runaway, Runaway Railway. Two reasons. Okay. One is the, the animation is way less than it could have been. It's, it's, it's the pie-eyed Mickey from, what, maybe 40 years ago? That just It could be so much better. There's so no, much no, better it's technology. The, it's the reborn pie-eyed Mickey that is part of the current Disney Junior shorts. Yes, I don't like that animation either. Okay. <laughs> the other thing is Minnie kicks Pluto into the trunk of the car. You don't kick a dog. Come on, man. What's that about? Although I'm about to go kick my dog if he doesn't stop barking. But anyway. Yeah, we know you wouldn't do it. No. Nope. All right. 15 seconds remaining. Willie, anything you want to add about dark rides? No. No. I mean, I think we've done a really good job here. And um, I'm just glad to see I didn't have to have an honorable mention. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so that wraps up our countdown segment and we'll move on to the main segment for the day uh and our main segment today is a topic that you know was really when when the podcast version of the show went on hiatus this was just becoming really the the big topic and uh it's now been in place for a little while and there's maybe a, a little bit more development to discuss. So we're going to talk about 
Disney Genie uh, service at Walt Disney World and you know, kind of dig into what we think of um, the the service in, in, from a lot of different perspectives. And uh, Willie, I think you're the one who who may have brought up Genie Plus or Tim. Do, which one of you brought up Genie Plus originally? All right. So yeah, was Tim, you. get us rolling. What is it about Genie Plus that you felt like was important to to have this discussion today? Well, um, you you got to look at it as uh, Genie, uh, aside from Genie Plus. And Genie is really a very nice uh, piece. It's really a, uh, probably overcomplicated, but um, I found the uh, the uh, quick service menu ordering function to be really, really on point. Um, there are uh, a lot of things about it that I liked, but then when you get to the pay the pay to play stuff, the Genie Plus and the uh, individual attraction selections. Um, that's where things get a little more tricky and i think people really need to hear if you especially if you've never done it uh the voice of experience so i was uh at disney for the better part of a week and on the early weekdays monday tuesday wednesday and even into thursday you really didn't need you know to reserve a bunch of lightning lane stuff because you know that you're you wind up waiting in line almost as long as you would if you were in the regular queue but on Friday, Saturday, when all the locals are out at the park, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have been able to ride more than one or two things. Uh, I was happy to be in Magic Kingdom one of those days, and it was so crowded that if I didn't have the, the Genie Plus, I would have ridden maybe one or two things and wasted an entire day. And as it was, I did pay for the Genie Plus, and I rode everything I wanted to ride and then some. With the exception of Tron, Tron didn't work out so well because I got a very, very late boarding group and they didn't get to me. And by the time they said, oh, we're not going to get to you, it was too late to try to add it on as an individual attraction. So right. that's it is what it is. But um, on a really busy day, uh, if your budget can swing it, depending on how many you're, you have going uh, on a really busy day, it is a good thing to have, in my opinion. If you're taking a you know family of five or six, you really kind of have to give it a second thought about you know what park you're going to do on what day because if you uh, if you don't want to pay that kind of money for Genie Plus, might not be the best idea to go to a place like Magic Kingdom on a Saturday. Just that's my personal opinion. All right, Willie, you're nodding. It sounds like you you largely agree with Tim's take. Um, I agree with Tim's take on Magic Kingdom. I personally. I'm not a huge fan of Genie Plus. I'm going to give it a second chance in uh, the end of this month. But I feel that the price of $29 for park hopping per day and the two-hour window between booking gets very, very in my way. And I used to be able to do 10 or 11 Fast Passes a day for free. And now... <laughs> I'm paying $29 and they're telling me every two hours I can book something, which gets really annoying because they're basically forcing you to stay in the park all day or um, not ride many rides with their service. And worse yet, they're saying there's a rumor that the, the high, the high end price is actually going to go up from 29. So, well, and it very well may, you know, all of these prices have been dynamic pricing. And so it, it really depends on what the public rea reaction to it is. You know, the, the part for me that's so frustrating is I, I understand the need for it, right? I understand the need to try to distribute guests differently. 
Um, I understand that they felt like it was a missed revenue opportunity when they were using, um, you know, the, the, uh, my magic plus system and allowing you to use FastPass plus made reservations made in advance. This was a way to transition to a, a paid system and theoretically, right. The paid system is supposed to end up allowing guests, uh, you know, wait times to be self-regulating. So people who care enough about their wait times to, to pay to bypass them can do so. Um, my complaint is that I don't feel like the system really delivers on any of those promises effectively for a number of different reasons. Um, I, I think it works pretty well in Magic Kingdom. You know, I, I will give it that. Um, but overall, frankly, it it has all of the flaws that the old paper FastPass system had except for not having to run back and forth across the park um, in that in a, tra- in, in parks where you have a high concentration of popular attractions and there's a, a number of them, not a big problem, but as you go to the other parks and there's either um, a big stratification between the, the, you know, primary, the headliner rides and the other attractions. Uh, I think Hollywood studios is the, the primary example of that where, you know, you, you have a handful of attractions that are super popular and a lot of other attractions that, you know, they're, they're shows. So you've got to fit in a schedule or um, they're just, they're not things that people run to. Um, and I think in the studios, you have a hard time managing the, the, system it doesn't genie plus doesn't seem to me to work as well animal kingdom just needs more attractions there aren't there aren't enough places to distribute people at this point um and that's what i would have put at the top of that list because what do you have there you've got expedition everston you got pandora and navi river journey which is not a thrilling ride but as you said it's something that is a really cool ride that's about what you got right yeah and, and there's just a limited number of attractions there to use Genie Plus on. And then in Epcot, you know, I, I think number one, Epcot, part of the challenge is how spread out that park is. And so using Genie Plus effectively becomes really, it's already complicated because you've got to play that game in your head of two hour windows and, you know, what do we want to do? And then you also, because it's Epcot and everything is so spread apart, y- you have to take into consideration not only what attraction you want to do next and what's available, but how far away is it from where we're going to be when we get to that? Because it doesn't do you any good if you can get, Ooh, I can get a, a, you know, a a lightning lane right now for spaceship earth, but that's useless if you just walked out of Remy because Mm -hmm. by the time you get there, you're going to be exhausted. Yep. So I think there are some fundamental flaws that, the parks aren't ready for it across the board. I think it does help in Magic Kingdom. I just don't know that it works sufficiently well in the other parks. The other piece to me that is the biggest fail is that I appreciate that Disney went all in on technology when we went to to the um, My Magic Plus and and FastPass Plus. But that system, because at least 50%, really probably 75% of the ride reservations were being made in advance. The pressure on the system was distributed better, right? The system didn't have this massive stress 
all at the same time. The way the systems work now, you have everybody who wants to to get their first lightning lane, everybody who wants to buy a an individual lightning lane, and everybody trying to get into a virtual queue for the first time in the day, all trying to access the same fragile Disney app at the same time. And the failure rate is just way too high. And it's especially way too high for a paid product. If you're charging yeah. people for a product, it better damn work. And too often it just doesn't. And they just, they had a, an issue with genie plus just this week. Yeah. Multiple days. Were, yeah. And um, and it's only going to get worse when the crowds start to come back. And this mm -hmm. weekend's very, very busy down there. Oh, and over the holidays, forget about it. Right. I mean, Thanksgiving and Christmas are coming and the crowds are going to be there. Right. Right. And, you and know, people I just see the way to pay to get out of line. They're going to do it. Well, and, and yeah. And, and it's not even like people are going to try and use it, but it, it's the, the ongoing issue of, You know, we hear all the complaints about, I think it's a vicious cycle in some ways. We hear complaints that the that cast members sometimes are getting a little prickly and, you know, some people's impression is that cast members aren't as friendly. Meanwhile, we hear from the other side of things that guests are obnoxious. Um, you know, I know people who are leaving our industry because guests are unreasonable and rude and demanding. Um and I think that this kind of thing like feeds that cycle because guests are legitimately disappointed because either they've paid for something that they haven't gotten or their expectations aren't being met because the system won't let them do what they're trying to do. So they are frustrated and they go to a cast member who is ostensibly supposed to help them, but when the system isn't working, then there's nothing that the cast member can do. Like their hands are tied as well. There's well, they, only so much. Forget, the cast members are also human. And when these people walk up and they got a sneer on their face and a growl coming out, they're not going to want to help you. You know, right. nope. you walk up with a please and a thank you and a, Hey, how can, you know, Hey, we're having right. some issues. What do you think you can do to help instead of, the, I paid for this and I ain't getting nothing out of it. No question. You know, right. no question. But, but I think that some of it is to be fair that the, that the cast members themselves are frustrated because they legitimately want to help. But if the system's not working, it's not working. And right. you know, they don't have any don't way have to magic make it magically work for them. Right. And that's what people don't understand. It's why it's like when you call in now and you talk to Disney about dining, first thing they say is, our cast members can see exactly what you're seeing. They can't see something else, which I'm right. glad to hear that they're at least telling them now, this is what they see. Yeah. So, you know, that that's my complaint and my concern is that all of this evolved from a system that was supposed to be about reducing the friction for guests, right? Making it easier for guests to get the experience they wanted. That's where we started with, with my magic plus and this whole technology revolution. It was 
you know, how do we reduce the friction? And yeah, we're going to make money off of that because if we reduce the the friction points, there are going to be more opportunities for guests to spend money and they're going to be more willing to do it. And it worked. But when they realized they had to do other things to try to control capacity coming through COVID and they shifted gears, I just don't feel like this is achieving anybody's purpose. I mean, it's, it's not making it, it, it's, it's increasing by exponential amounts, guest friction. Um, and the problem is the bean counters are seeing genie selling out day after day or, and they don't, they're not the ones that are in the park dealing with the customers. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and the frustrating part I think sometimes is like the one thing that might get them to, to shift gears is if, they actually got, you know, the, the, the post visit surveys from guests who complain, right. Who, who say, Hey, we had a bad experience and we're not coming back for a while because of it. Um, and I feel like part of the problem is that people are reluctant to be as honest as they should be on those surveys sometimes, right. Cause they, they don't want to be mean, <laughs> Well, they want to be mean, but they want to be hidden behind it. That, like the survey, they know they, I mean, Disney knows who they sent it to. Yeah, like, right. You know, you can't sit there and grill them and grill them and grill them and not know that they they know who you are. Yeah. I think it's that part has just gotten worse, though, the last few years. It's like people don't, people have less of a filter and less of a, I guess, a need or desire to be nice. That's well, they're all hidden behind their, they're all keyboard warriors behind the screen. They won't do it in person. But see, that's what goes back to what you're saying. The bean counters aren't the one out there, you know, actually dealing with them, you know, the gruffness and the, you know, the, the complaining and uh, all well, the, and, you know, you, you make an interesting point because the other piece to it is not only are the, the, you know, the accounting folks, right. Not experiencing it. They're not witnessing it in the parks. Right. They're not. I mean, I will give Josh Amaro, for example, credit. Right. Josh has been much better than his most recent predecessors about actively going out and spending time in the parks. But that's one person. And, you know, yeah, he's supposed to be a boss. He's supposed to be in charge. But big organizations move slowly and it takes a lot. And if you're going to get the buy-in from the rest of the people that you need to get buy-in from to make changes, they got to get their butts in the park and yep. they need to experience themselves. They need to get in the parks and, you know, spend their money to buy Genie Plus and try to actually use it instead of just having Genie Plus reservations show up in their account waiting for them. Agreed. And it makes, yeah, makes me wonder. The problem is that they're the most recent rumor is that what they're going to cut back some of those benefits of being able to, you know, have staff member privileges. But I feel like they're taking away the wrong things. You know, get them in the park, make them use Genie Plus. You know, don't 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 stop them from doing that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, you're not gonna see Josh tomorrow there on Christmas Eve. You know, I mean, I know he should be with his family, but, you know, right. what about the 29th? Show up then and watch when Jeannie sells out at 745 in the morning 
and now you have to go wait in line for Peter Pan for two and a half hours because you don't have Genie. I noticed that didn't make anybody's dark ride list. (laughs) I don't get it. I don't. I I will say I love Peter Pan. I'm a big fan of it. It was hard for me to leave off my list, but it doesn't make the list because it does. (laughs) It's too slow, too slow loading. Yep. 90 minutes for 90 seconds. It just, yeah, it it doesn't, doesn't deliver enough for me anymore. Payoff's not there. Um, all right. Well, we got about four minutes left. Uh, let's talk maybe about we've we've. It's hard not to get sucked into focusing on the difficulties and the downsides of Genie Plus. Let, let's talk about our top tips for getting the most out of Genie Plus that you can. What what things that are in your control can you do to get the best out of this Genie Plus service? Um. You know, w- Willie, what's one of your best suggestions for what, how to get the most out of Genie Plus? And I tell all my customers this now. If you're at Magic Kingdom, get to the park early, do your Genie, and make your passes for later in the day. So I say stack them after 4 and 5 and 6 o'clock at night. Go at 1 o'clock, go back, take a break. Then you come back, you can ride 5 or 6 rides because you have 5, a 6, a 7, an 8, and a 9. And your your day is a lot easier than trying to make one at 11 or as you use the example over at Remy and then you got to run to Spaceship Earth and the next one's at Frozen. You've just done three miles and you're exhausted. Yeah. Whereas you could just make these make these times later in the day and come back and enjoy the park when it's not as busy and you're riding rides. All right. So Willie's top tip is stack your your uh, your lightning lane reservations as late in the day as you can get them and take advantage of that two hour reset window um, and, and do it that way. Tim, what's your best tip for making the most out of Genie plus? Well, piggybacking off what, uh, what Willie said, you gotta, you, you, when you're making your selections, it's not like you only have one thing that's available. Now it might be limited to what's available, but choose the thing that's closer to you. But my suggestion would be when you're doing lightning lane, you're going to uh, tap in when you start getting in the line and you're going to tap in later down towards the end of the line. Once you've tapped that second tap, you should be able to go into Genie Plus and select something else right away. So get in there. I mean, you're still going to be standing in a line for a little bit. Get in there and figure out what your next move is going to be. All right. So take advantage of that little five minute lag or so um, between that second tap in and when you actually board the attraction. Yep. I would say, so a couple of things that I would suggest. Number one is um, if you're staying on property, definitely take advantage of the fact that you can buy your Genie Plus anytime after midnight. So I don't know. I mean, I'm up past midnight pretty much every night if I'm at Walt Disney World. I know other people may not be. It's worth getting up, in my opinion. Just get up, get it purchased, go back to sleep. You can't make the reservation yet, but you're saving yourself a step. And every time you save that step, that's a step you are ahead of thousands of other guests who are trying to do the same thing that you're doing at the very same time. So take advantage of every advantage you have. Especially if it's a busy time like the holidays. Yeah. You got well, to. the other thing is, like you said, you you and I, we're both up after midnight almost every night when we're there. Right. But there's nothing wrong with waking up at seven, making a pass and rolling back over. Absolutely. I mean, you know, yep. you make a pass for 11 or 12. 
you know, then you can go in, go to Baseline Tap House, have a beer, and then go ride a ride, and then go back to Baseline Tap House. <laughs> Alternatively, I mean, you got to be up at seven to get the get the uh, virtual cues too. So, right, you know, you can get it done. Right. You can get it done. Go back to sleep. Sleep another hour or two. Good, you're good. All right, so um, we got a minute to go. Let's do one last kind of around the horn here with, you know, Tim, you, you've raised the, the issue of virtual queues. We know that there are three things that people are trying to do all at the same time, right? Your virtual queue, your individual lightning lane, and your first, uh, you know, Genie Plus reservation of the day. So uh, of those three, Tim, what order do you do them in? And does it matter which park? Oh, does it matter which park? That's that's the twist of the question. The first thing I do is the virtual queue because you're those go so fast. I mean, you can literally be two minutes late. Well, I was the day I went to Magic Kingdom and tried to get Tron to you know I was a minute late. I didn't get Tron until they they reopened the window at one. So that's my first one. Then I'm gonna um, I'm gonna decide if it's going to be busy. And there's ways that you can know. Uh, then I'll buy the the Genie Plus and. Then I'll roll back over and, you know, start tapping those things later. All right. And Willie, what do you, what's your take? Bring multiple items to, to do like an iPad, right. a phone. You got to be, be prepared. Like, I mean, literally I, I sit there with an iPad and my phone and sometimes a second phone and just, Hey, you if know, you've got older kids and you know, you and your spouse and your kid, Look, you can all be logged into the same account at the same time, yep. and you can make all three of these reservations at the same time if if you're, you know, active in doing it. Just be careful. Make sure that two of you are not doing the same thing. Make sure everybody knows their roles, because <laughs> um, yep. otherwise you get messy nightmares. And stay off <laughs> Disney's Wi-Fi. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. I think that that's wise. Um, if, you, if you can get a decent cell phone connection use your wireless network instead of wi-fi so that you don't get caught up in the the bogged down disney mesh system um i I think that you know i would agree across the board that that virtual queue is probably the most important i will say the caveat to that is if you know you're going to be in the park later into the night it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world to be part of the the second virtual queue pool Um, and so you know, you know that opportunity is out there. Um, and I would say that if you're going to be in Hollywood Studios and if Slinky Dog Dash is important to you, that has to be first because otherwise it won't happen. Um, you'll wait in line, but, and you can ride, you know, standby, but those individual lightning lanes disappear um, almost instantly. But you also have to be aware that schnitzel happens. I had my my lightning lane for Slinky Dog, and the skies opened up and stayed pouring for right. hours, so it it didn't matter. Right. Well, I mean that can happen with anything, but that's right. It, you just it's true. Flex. It's frustrating, but um, you know that's part of the game. All right. Well, we hope you all have enjoyed this uh, first foray into this new format for us. Um, we're hoping to try and, and we're hoping to be more regular with our releases here and a little tighter with the format so that we can keep things moving. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Until next time, I've been your host, Aaron Ripmaster, with my trusty co-hosts, Willie Crocker. Have a good night. And Tim Hicks. We'll see you real soon. <laughs> nice job, guys.
No wicked totally, love. Night totally release. wicked. I totally, I was, I was literally saying it to myself like three times and then I totally, you can see it.